Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. We're so glad you're here because we are joined by an expert in sim football. Jeff Giordano joins us to tell us about his APBA football club and the gridiron history tied to the APGA game and how the gamers use it to preserve football history. Jeff's coming up in just a moment to tell us all about it. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another day where we get to interview a great guest talking about an aspect of football. And this one's going to be fun. We're going to be talking a little bit uh, on the gaming side of football and talking a lot about pro football history, too, I think. Uh, We have a gentleman named Jeff Giordano. He is representing the APBA football uh, program. And uh, Jeff, welcome to the Pigpen. No, thank you, sir. I, I want to thank you, you know, not just for this opportunity, but really for all the work that you do. We we tabletop sports gamers, football simmers, uh, you know, pigskin dispatch is such an indispensable resource for us to really give us the flavor and the feel of different eras of football that we then go and replay. So thank you for all you've done. Well, we're going to talk about that. You know, thank you for the compliment. And thank you for listening. We're going to talk about that a little bit because I, I'm, I'm interested in hearing what you guys are doing with some of that history. That sounds like a pretty cool project that uh, I'm sure listeners will want to hear too. But before we do that, let's learn a little bit about you. We we love to learn about our guests. You know, this is a sharing opportunity and people come from all different sorts of backgrounds, have all kinds of different stories of their football fandom. Some are similar, some are you know different, but they're all interesting. So why don't you tell us how you got to the point of becoming a football fan to the point of, you know, want to come on a podcast and uh, talk about to some football history in, in a game uh, that you're playing. Yes, sir. Well, a uh, fellow Steeler fan here. Uh, it was 1975. I love you, love you already. There you go. <laughs> Steeler Nation abides, yes. Um, I remember the first pro football I ever saw was uh, probably a one-minute snippet of what had to be Super Bowl Nine. And as soon as I saw that Steeler helmet, the one-sided logo, it's like, that's my team. I just knew. I knew it. You know how that is. And when you're a kid, you're 10 years old. Uh, that that first glimpse, it's really the uniform that often gets you. I think even John Turney was talking about that, uh, how, uh, you know, he of the uh, SAC research with uh, Nick Webster uh, talked about the uniforms. So it was uh, interesting because my father went to Long Beach Community College and their mascot were the Vikings. So he always bet on the Vikings, all four of those Super Bowls. So 
you know, fortunately, I, <laughs> I guess that didn't rub off on me. But uh, uh, fast forward to 1977, and uh, after the 76 season, I watched uh, the first Super Bowl I ever watched was Super Bowl Eleven, and uh, could easily become a Raiders fan at that point. Which ooh, right, but, uh, <laughs> and you know, it was a heck of a game. Obviously, I mean, compelling, and you know, old man Willie and all that, and uh, Blatnikoff's incredible performance. And uh, that actually wasn't far from the APA headquarters at the time in Lancaster, but uh, didn't get uh, bitten by the game bug then yet. And then uh, we moved to Florida. My father's a journalist. I'm a journalist. News, and you have to move from town to town to get a job. Basically, there's only one game in town. So, um, And uh, we kept watching football. I wasn't much of a baseball guy, so football was his thing. He kept betting the Vikings. So um. Uh, we ended up in Sanford, Florida, Central Florida. It was a suburb of Orlando. And uh, uh, around about that time, it's 77 and 78 and Super Bowl 12. I watched that one. It was that weird indoor kind of grainy look. I bet the first and last Super Bowl I ever bet uh, on, I bet a friend a dime that the Broncos would win. And uh, well, you know, and <laughs> then 78 came along. And, and, you know, that regional aspect of watching the games, we saw a lot of AFC East games, you know, Jets and Dolphins, things like that. But of course, the Buccaneers were 90 miles down the road and uh, they were getting, you know, maybe not as much traction at the time, but uh, certainly were very aware of what they were doing. But that 78 season and Bradshaw coming into that that level of maturity and with that the new rules the game opened up just it was a fascinating season to watch and i feel so fortunate that you know I'm, my parents you know my dad was a, a a giants fan and when he and my mom moved to from rhode island to illinois he'd be cheering the giants in the middle of lombardi era hackerdom you know the dynasty there so he's kind of shouting in the apartment about how bart Starr is killing him with the uh, short passes and uh uh, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, he was always a football guy and, uh, that, uh, persisted. And so, whereas folks got to actually see in our community, I mean, we've got folks who've been playing back to 1957, 1964, when these games came out, uh, you know, that 78 season to me is just was, it is so magical. And it's one of the most replayed games in this community, Super Bowl 13, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, it was just tremendous, tremendous. And, you know, and from that point, as after the Steelers started declining, that uh, you know, uh, which is reflected in the games, unfortunately. But uh, I did get to go because my dad was an editor of a paper in Sanford, Florida. We had a press pass to see the Steelers in Tampa Bay uh, again. You know, Doug Williams era Bucks had just lost that an NFC Championship nine nothing. Could easily have faced the Steelers in Super Bowl fourteen. And so this is here it is nineteen eighty, and I'm on the sidelines for the second half taking photos for this little paper in an Orlando suburb and. End of the game, Donnie Shell grabs this interception, game-saving interception, right in front of me. It's like Shell, just like it looked like the blimp. I mean, it's so huge. His this guy is just so huge. And, and I remember, you know, early in the game, I hear this like this really loud thwack, this thwack, and I turn around and Bradshaw's right behind me, like throwing and just warming up, and Franco's catching the ball. I was like, oh my god! I mean, it's just amazing. Even though it was you know an aging team at that point, so that was, and I actually have video of that on my channel because I, through the trading community, found that that game of the uh, Steelers at Bucks, Very close game. The Bucks were uh, coming into their own. It was great to see. And uh, it's interesting because in 1979, in Tampa Bay, one of the oldest Apple football leagues was formed. And so, you know, it's just that confluence of things going on. And that's kind of my football story. My brother-in-law's a Rams fan. He's come up to New Jersey, New Jersey to uh, watch the Rams lose a variety of games to the Jets and Giants and so, but uh, 
Very, but right now, I'm looking forward to a great Steelers season. So, yeah, I, I think uh, this looks very promising uh, the, the way they've rebuilt this team so so suddenly and uh, some familiar faces, but a lot of new faces that uh, can bring some great energy into it. But you know, going back to the '70s, you know. I, I've had this discussion with other guests and, you know, people of, of our generation uh, that got to grow up in the seventies watching football. We have a, a special moment because football really had one of its major changes there. There wasn't great rules changes. There was a little bit on the defensive backs and they moved the goalposts from the, you know, the goal line to the end line, but just the philosophy I mean, the, I mean, yeah, at the end of the decade, you had the West Coast offenses were just starting up, you know, Bill Walsh and, and folks like that were just starting to figure that that part of the game out. But, you know, earlier it was, you know, like the Miami Dolphins, they ran the ball and pass when you have to. The Steelers were in that mode. The Raiders were in that. Uh, you, know, you could probably throw the Cowboys in there a little bit. And you also had, you know, some scrambling quarterbacks, you know, like uh, uh, Fran Tarkington and, and some others that were just made a really interesting decade. You got a little mishmash of everything and it really wasn't that one philosophical way to play football. We got uh, engrossed in a bunch of it and moving to goalposts and you know defensive uh restrictions being put on defensive backs and, and that so a great decade to grow up and I'm and I think also and you alluded to it a little bit uh Super Bowl 13 you know I played a lot of electric football when I was a kid and I can remember getting that Super Bowl 13 electric football you know had the you know, the whole thing and there were the Cowboys and the Steelers and then I got another set I got the Super Bowl 9 one that had the Vikings on it so I had two two fields set up all the time but the the, the NFL at in the 70s they figured out how to market their product and market the teams and market the players and that's when things really blew up football cards really you know ignited and all the games and everything like you're talking about and I'm I'm sure probably you know Appus sort of did that too at that time maybe that's a a parallel uh, story for them as well Yes, the 70s were that crucible of the the transition to a really modern era of football. And yes, it was Super Bowl 13 that got me to finally uh, buy one of the sports sims on the market at the time. Uh, I, you know, like we all did Red Street and Smith, and we saw mm-hmm. the ads, and there was the Appa ad and the Stratomatic ad. And you, I know you featured Stratomatic on here with Michael Kane. That was an awesome mm-hmm. show. And I sent in the, I still have my original, I sent in the uh, coupons for both and got the sample cards. And I'm glad you mentioned the Topps cards because what really got me into APA, and I am not official. I'm just a fan, by the way. I'm not affiliated with the company at all. I'm the APA Football Club is a name I use. I'm just a one man show with my you know, podcast and all that. So, but um, the thing about APA Football is that they card every player on offense and defense, right? So you folks in podcast world cannot see that I'm holding up a deck of cards here. But as uh, Mr. Hayes mentioned, uh, you know the Topps cards era allowed you to collect all these great cards, you know, and uh, they were really some of the best designs in the 70s, I think, you know, with the swashes on the top and the bottom, the the 75 set, the 77 set, really great photos, the airbrush, the logos out and all that. And in fact, the 2005 Topps Heritage set revisited a lot of those designs featuring the modern players, but the old design. So it's a very cool set to collect. But what APA did when I saw the ad was they card every player on offense and defense and special teams. When I was collecting uh, tops cards, if you don't remember in the seventies, you would get, you know, a bunch of pictures of players, but the better teams would have like 20 players on the Vikings, the Raiders, but the Buccaneers would have five 
you know, and one would be the punter, you know. So, uh, you know, they didn't spend a lot of time at the camp taking the photos. But I would always take these cards and put them on the floor and, and try to think what if they could play a game, like why can't the running back do this around, you know, Tinglehoff up or you know, whatever. And uh, here, lo and behold, there's this game where every player is carded on a two and a half by three and a half inch card with rounded corners and the name, the date, just like a trading card, but they work, you know, and they reflect the stats of the game on in every season. And you can really kind of see when you learn the game how, you know, this person, you know, if this is a breakaway running back, he's got these numbers, or if he's a scat back, he's got these numbers. If he intercepted a pass for a touchdown, you can read that on the cards, but the cards point you to a result chart. And from that point, you know, that combination of I've got to, I've got to have, you know, you mentioned the electric football, which is super cool. And I wanted that so bad, but <laughs> that, that uh, Sears wish book, it's like, well, I, you know, this is a little smaller footprint and it's like, oh, and it's stats too. So man, I got that. I played, I pulled it out and it was like science too. Cause it says, you know, these are scientific results and uh, you know, Apple football came out in 1958 and uh, I think it's the first stats based game, certainly one of the first and uh, a really interesting time of the NFL we can get to, but uh, you know, getting all these cards out and yes, John Kolb, you know, who spoke at the PFRA mm. in July and Sam Davis and Mike Webster, I got my O-line, I got Benny Cunningham, but then he gets injured and I got Randy Grossman to throw him in there instead. And, you know, I've got uh, that incredible Steeler defense. It's like, uh, you know, and I've got all the players and I got all the backups too. So I can sub them in at the end of the game. I can put, you know, Sid Thornton in for a uh, Harrison Blyer if I feel like it. So I was just like, Oh my God, that was incredible. And, you know, it's just one flavor of all the games out there. And there are a lot of games out there and they're getting better all the time. But Apple is just the one that uh, uh, really, you know, struck me and is one that I've stuck with. And like I say, it goes back to 1958. Uh, of course, a really important time in the NFL when they, that, uh, that, um, with the uh, Lions coming back from the that huge deficit against the Niners, really, it's a really prescient uh, uh, season to uh, issue on the part of that company. You know, Apple came out in 1951, mostly as a baseball company, but then uh, with the you know that 57 thrilling finish, uh, the uh, Lions coming back to beat the Niners 31-27 in the uh, Western Conference playoff, and then winning the division against the Browns, slaughtering them in uh, in uh, Detroit. You know. And this is, you know, this game comes out right at the end of that season and right before the Colts Giants greatest game ever played. So what a pedigree. And uh, that Super Bowl 13 didn't disappoint. And uh, neither did Super Bowl 14 when I bought the next year's season set, because at the end of every season, like with every stats based game, the companies will calculate these player cards based on or team cards based on whatever formula they use to recreate these stats in the season. You can replay, replay one team season or an entire league and whatever you want to do. So that's that really just kind of synthesized it all to me. It was like a mind blowing experience and still is. Okay, okay, that that's, that gives a real good description of the history of of the game and everything. You know, for for one, I had to play electric football. I wasn't smart enough to do the stat based games. I tried Stratomatic, and it was a little bit too much for me. So, electric football was a hands on thing as a kid. We could put them in there, and you know, the hardest thing was trying to find a little football after you kicked it or threw it. But uh, we, they made more of those every day. But so I I didn't get engrossed, and I collected the football cards. I loved looking at the stats and everything. But these aren't aren't the tops cards. You you the ones you're showing up these are actual game cards i'm assuming that the game manufacturer makes 
Now, what happens? Okay, let, let's say you're in the middle of that that '77 season, and you have a Bradshaw card from the '77 set. Do they get issue when you buy a new set? They give you a new Bradshaw card. Maybe some of those numbers changed from the season before. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, at the end of the '77 season, by July ish, August ish, by summer, you get you will see the. 77 season released and the way they used to do it was they were to release it as the 1979 edition which was a little confusing and if you go back and start collecting the older sets you'll see that the 1977 season set that represents those stats comes out in the middle of 1978 but is sold as the 1979 edition to give it a little more shelf life going forward and yes uh, Bradshaw in 77, you know, the Steelers were nine and five. So uh, they're not going to be as powerful a team uh, in terms of producing on the field. And, you know, they're probably going to lose more of the close games than they would say in the 78 season at 14 and two. And the rules open up and Bradshaw is like completely on fire. Uh, the way the game works kind of basically in a minute is this. Uh, every year this season set comes out and most of the players on any team are given a card. And those cards feature RP and K columns. And those columns are used to reflect the kinds of players or the kinds of stats those players uh, accrued. So uh, a running back who has three fives and sevens and nines in the R column is more of a scat back. You would look more on the outside play chart. That's where he's really good. Whereas a Mark Van Egan is a four, six, eight guy. He runs inside or plunge really well. And then the guys who like have 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, really, are your Walter Payton, your OJ Simpson, your Jim Browns, who can run over you all over the place. And you'll see the breakaway backs have certain numbers at uh, 66 or 11, 33, and 66. The formula's changed over the years. And I won't get all in the evolution there. But basically, when you pull out two teams, you create the starting offensive and defensive lineups and they're pretty much exactly what they were not pretty much they were exactly what they were in a game uh, the cards are created for all those players and even the substitute players each player is rated from five points best to one point lowest you create your starting offensive and defensive lineups and total those points you then compare the offensive team a to the defensive team b and come up with an offensive index, A, B, or C, depending on how many points ahead of the defense or behind the defense the offense is. And the range currently is if your offense is seven points ahead to seven points behind of the defense, you're in the B index, which is a pretty wide swath, and that's where most teams reside. I mean, they're pretty – they could go either way. They're not your 85 Bears who would be in the A index a lot of time because oftentimes – well, actually, they wouldn't be because their offense wasn't super powerhouse. Um you know, an A offense, think the uh, 76 Raiders against the Buccaneers uh, would definitely be eight or more points against that Buccaneer defense. So they Raiders would be operating the A index and they're coasting up and down the field. And then the Buccaneers would be in the C index because their offense is more than eight points behind the offense, the opponent's defense. So you then, once you've got your lineups, you establish what offensive indexes are you in. You flip a coin who goes first. It's just the rules of NFL. You use your kicker card to kick, your returner card to return. Uh, you've got primary and secondary returners. There are injury uh, codes on these cards, so you may lose a returner for a game, or you may want to try someone else who, you know, if the other guy's rolling cold numbers, you want to throw in a backup, and then you start calling offensive and defensive plays. Uh, there are solitaire or head-to-head -head methods to play. On offense, you have a, in the old game, it was a 
an inside run, an outside run, a short pass, and a long pass. In the 80s, when they came out with a master game in 1983, featuring the 1982 season, they added a screenplay, a draw play, and a medium pass. They added a trick play card, which you could use once a half, and an audible you could use once a quarter. So if your defensive coach you're facing called your exact play, named your ball carrier, or named your receiver, you could audible if you really were in a critical situation and change your play. Can't change your personnel, but you can change your play. So you've got your team indexes, team A, team B. You're calling plays. You call on offense your ball carrier or your receiver, and you call your play. Short pass to Franco Harris. On defense, you name one of three defensive lines, light, medium, or heavy. Light defends against the pass, standard defends pass or run, and heavy defends against the run. And you have some other options to prevent the pass game, uh, nickel and dime packages versus a three wide receiver set and a two tight end set to improve your run game. And the last real cool thing about Apple football is that the results charts are organized by field position. So it's very easy to get. Uh, there are charts for the outside run from your goal line to your 14 yard line, from your 15 yard line to the opponent's 31 from the opponent's 30-yard line to the 10-yard line, and then that deadly red zone where it's really hard to get yardage uh, the, from the, your opponent's nine-yard line to your goal line. Okay, so that's it really is a, it's that combination of what is the team offensive index, what's the field position, what's the defensive line setting. And so that's really how that game works. I mean, there are lots of different systems out there. Stratomatic does it differently. Uh, second season, which you've also fe- featured, uh, plays second season. Uh, does that a little differently, but all these games really allow you to immerse yourself in how these teams, it really feels like you're playing the 76 Buccaneers, you know, that slog, you can't gain yardage. You can't do things. Even if you get good roles, you still sometimes have just bad outcomes. You can't overcome, you know, the, the deficiencies on your team because, you know, let's say for instance, the great thing about Apple football is that you can pick up a team and, quickly assess, well, how do they relate in terms of their total points? What kind of an offense or defense do they have? The 62 Packers are famous for having 49 out of 55 points on offense, 47 out of 55 points on defense. The 85 Bears have 50 out of 55 points on their pass defense, and I think they're 47 out of 55 on their run defense. So they're pretty much going to stifle you know, weak teams or overpower them. And a, a 79 Charges has a 40-point-something offense, but a 30-point-something defense, they can score, but they can't stop anybody. And it's a really great way to reference. And that's one of the things I do on my sites. Uh, I have an app, a football handbook site, where I kind of recount those point totals as the game is evolved. So you can really kind of see, you know, the 63 Bears have a, a powerful, powerful defense. And, uh, you know, the uh, 1960 Cowboys who went 0-11-1, and you know, are a sub 30 point uh, offense and you're really not going to get a lot going, but sometimes you just can't help playing. Everyone loves to play the 76 bucks. Can I win a game or two? You know, it's just that <laughs> lesson in futility. And I won three in my replay. We're going to take a break for a moment from this interview and be right back after this message. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the pigskin tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. 
It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network. The soundtrack is provided by Raphael Crux from filmmusic.io. This is Greg Tranter, co-author of the Buffalo Bills, an illustrated timeline of a storied team book. And you are listening to the Pigskin Dispatch podcast. And now we return to our interview with our special guest. You raise some questions for me. Okay, for, first of all, now I assume, is there a visual aspect to the game? Do you have like a game board or something? So you have a point of right. reference to... Basically, yes. The uh, Apple football field is renowned for its slotted uh, track for the football and for the down marker. Okay, And they uh, used to be these really nice, thick boards. Now, I've actually gotten some custom ones, and a lot of other folks have gotten custom ones as well. Um, next weekend, I'm going to be holding a two-day uh, cards and dice tournament at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So some folks create these custom fields. Um, they, there's a gentleman named Bobby Porter who creates them for Apple folks. There's a gentleman named Paul Barone who creates them for Stratomatic folks. And um, yes, so you track the ball on the field and you can get these fields that go back. You know, if you want uh, a field that looks like the 1960s, you know, if you, you can find folks, there are a couple of folks in the community who create custom versions of these uh, fields and you track the ball, you track the downs, you track the uh, timeouts. So it's, it's really up to you how uh, you want to customize this game. And um, it's just really, it, 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 once you get going in this thing, you kind of can't stop, you know? <laughs> It's, I guess the next question I have now you're talking about you just uh, displayed and talked about some teams from different eras from the you know 1950s all the way to you know mo more modern times. Now, do you play? Can you play like if you wanted to play the the 58 Colts against uh, the 85 Bears? Could could you do that? And it would be a a good game, or would it be? Uh, it it would be a good game. In fact, I think I have them right here. I was going to bring some of these to Canton with me. Uh, here are the, uh, let's see. Here's some, uh, yeah, here are the 58, uh, well, 58 Colts there and the uh, 85 Bears. I just happen to have them because I'm prepping the move. There's Richard okay. Dent there. So, yeah, that would be a, a great game. I mean, you know, the Bears offense is not going to be that powerful. The uh, uh Colts offense will have enough points, I think, to be in a B index against the um, Bears. And, uh, you know, there, there are different versions of the game, and there are things called great teams of the past. And the game has evolved, so sometimes different eras of the teams will be a little different. They'll be parted, as they say, differently. But by and large, yes, that would be a great game. The uh, You know, they did a world championship set um, – 
where they featured five NFL championships. Uh, they released it in the early 70s. It was the uh, 53, 59, 60, 63, and 65 championship. If you go to their stadium shop now, uh, APA has one of the greatest selections of uh, of uh, seasons available. They've got every season set available from 1957 to 1969, most of the 1970s and 80s sets. And uh, they're slowly working through recalculating a lot of these sets. But, you know, in the vintage market, they've got every set from 57 to 2021 so far. So and lots of great teams. Uh, they uh, used to do uh, the 50 Browns and Rams, for instance. A great oh, okay. two point, you know, that's an incredible game. Auto, yeah. Otto Graham, who doesn't want to play a little Otto Graham versus, uh, you know, Van Brockman, Waterfield, and Fears and Hirsch? I mean, you know, it's an incredible, you know, you just get in that mood. And when you're listening to Pigskin Dispatch, it's like, oh man, you just talked about, yeah, I'm going to play, crank that game up again for sure, you know? Oh, that would be a cool one. I was gonna, I was going to ask you about that if they went before '57. So I'm glad to hear that, especially the Browns and the Rams. Those are, I mean, the Rams had the, one of the most prolific offenses, uh, scoring wise, of any of all time. They would be right up there with the Kansas City Chiefs of today, putting points on the board. So that's a that's kind of a cool thing. And the Browns, they were just, you know, God, they were dominant. So that was that's that's very cool. So. Uh, when okay, you you have this big tournament coming up uh, next next week or yeah next weekend yeah, the twenty six and twenty seven. So how how does the tournament work? Do, can somebody come in and say, hey, I'm I'm bringing uh, you know X amount of teams and these where I'm playing, or do you do you get into certain tournaments where hey, you're a nineteen fifties tournament and you're in the nineteen eighties tournament? I mean, how, how does something like that get set up? Well, you know, the cool thing about this is um, you can create a. T- tournament basically with any rule you want so this goes back to this is the 10 years after what we call kind of the summer of 2013 for apba appa Uh, the company when a company moved its headquarters from lancaster pennsylvania to alpharetta georgia uh, there was a group of kids the bridesburg bridesburg boys and girls club outside philly and they had been going to lancaster to play in the which was a predominantly baseball tournament you know and you bring any teams the teams that won the prior year are disqualified from playing again. You can't play them. You can't bring that team. And so in that, when the company moved, folks said, well, these kids can't play anymore. So why don't we create a tournament here to play in these young kids, you know, boys and girls club. And so they did, and they're, they're going, you know, in their 10th year, I just attended it at, it's invitation only because of the kids, but there are about, there are more than two dozen APA tournaments, again, primarily baseball around the country. Chicagoland. Rob Spatz runs that one. He uh, his theme was the Lonesome Loser, and you can set you know what you know you have to pick teams within a certain winning percentage, or you know it has to be five hundred teams or less. Uh, for my football tournament, um, it's pretty much all open at this point, but you could easily create a championship run for your fifties guys, for your sixties guys. You could say it's only going to be nineteen sixty six this year, and you could grab the teams out of a bag, you know whatever. Or, you know, or, um, you know, this year I'm going to have, I think we have the 2017 Saints and Eagles, 2019 Chiefs, 2005 Broncos, 2020 Bucks. I'm bringing the 66 Cowboys. Steeler fan, I know, but, you know, <laughs> Chuck Howley, man, I got to represent one of the class of 23 here. So, uh, um, but yeah, you can set anything you want, which is the beauty of it. We were just out at Play Games at Play.com, which ran the same weekend as the PFRA annual event in Pittsburgh. And, uh, we I played some Apple football and we played second season. There was some strat football there. You know, it's just all over. It was, they run a very open forum. You can play whatever games or teams you want. I mean, they're focused on play games, which are awesome games, by the way. I play very well and narratively. They reflect the stats in a narrative format. 
But uh, yeah, you can set whatever parameters you want. We have a guy, Frank Fumai, who's going to have a baseball tournament on a cruise ship in January. I forget what his uh, theme is, you know? So yeah, you can do whatever you want with these tournaments and set, you know, it could be all AFC teams, all teams that made the wild or missed the playoffs pre-1970, pre-merger teams that didn't make the, you know, because there was no wild card. So something like that. Now, have you ever taken okay you're a Steelers fan have you ever taken the cards and said hey I'm going to have a, a greatest uh, Steelers ever type of thing I'm going to have Franco Harris in the backfield and you know maybe Roethlisberger throwing the ball or you know and uh, you know Antonio Brown with uh, John Stallworth out of you know can you can you do that and with these games and uh, you know I know I know they probably won't let you do it in a tournament setting but uh, that would that would be a, a pretty cool thing and you're really covering some some generations of history there. Well, very glad you brought that up because Apple has created they released it in the 1983 and there is a set it's called the OFAS original franchise all stars. Are they also goes by the name Fats F A T S, which is franchise all time stars, and uh, it lists. This is the old version where it lists all the players on the envelope. So yes, you're gonna have Franco Harrison, John Henry Johnson, and Bettis. Now this one, the original set only goes up to 1982 because that's when they redeemed the game in a big way. But if you collect the cards throughout the years, you can expand these sets. Yes, pretty much everyone here is a five out of five pointer. So playing them against a regular team. Kind of just ain't fair, but you could create a G top only tournament. Yes. I mean, they tout this set as, you know, I've got the, uh, uh, I, in fact, uh, one of my projects for my channel is, uh, the bears all time stars expanded to include, you know, Willie golf. Cause they, you know, with the original set, they did, they missed the 85 bears. So Richard Dent and poor Stephen Michael and, you know, Mike Singletary. And then the 2006 team, you know, and, uh, you know, um, Earl Locker, you could get in there. And uh, what I was going to do is going to play the Bears all-time teams against their NFC Central all-time franchise rivals. So a quarter against the Lions, a quarter against the Vikings, a quarter against the Packers, a quarter against the Buccaneers, all all-time bucket, uh, all-time Packers. So you could have, yeah, Bart Starr, and uh, Favre and Rogers on your quarterback, you know, and rotate them, you know, give, give them one quarter each. You know, I have a video where I did that with the Steelers and the Giants, in fact, uh, you know, because in 1970, of course, the Giants played in Pittsburgh. It was the first foot pro game at the uh, preseason game was at uh, Three Rivers and it was Bradshaw's debut. And you can watch it on YouTube. But, yeah, you know, you've got Bradshaw in the first half, Roethlisberger in the second half. You know, you've got uh, – you know, you've got Buddy Dial and Lynn Swan and Heinz Ward in a three wide. You know, yeah, it's incredible. That's why I love APBA because you can do that. And the thing is, you can also, you could run a 4-3 in the first quarter and a 3-4 in the second. doesn't necessarily quite matter, but there's ways you can modify. So I could have Lambert and, uh, you know, Farrier, you know, in the same, you know, and Kevin Green. In the, I mean, how many linebackers did they ever have? Uh, tons, but you could right. do that. You know, so it's super cool. Palomalu and, you know, Donnie Shell and Mel Blunt in the same secondary. It's crazy. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Wow. That is cool. All right. So I guess for, for somebody that's just uh, like me, if you if you wanted to start off and do it, how, how would somebody get started into a game like this? Is there is there like a, a website to go to that gives you some basic instruction and like starter kits and things like that? You know, the, the tabletop sports game community is so generous with its knowledge and time. 
I would go through and look at some of the, uh, just the games out there, uh, APA, Stratomatic, and Play, and thank you again for you know promoting those games. There's a lot of other ones. You know, if you ever played Pay Dirt or heard of it, you know, Ron Pizar has resurrected that as a game called Data Driven Football. Uh, Al Wilson uh, derived a game called Fast Drive Football using a bit of plays uh, system. And uh, you can actually check that out, fastdrivefootball.com. And he actually let you download it for free. He suggests you, uh, um, you know, donate to a charity. And, uh, you know, you can download the cards, get them printed, and it's a drive-by-drive game. It would really get you kind of get your feet wet. You've got games like uh, 4th Street Software's football game, PT Games as a football game, 49 Sports Games as a football game. There's Inside Sports that has three versions. You know, Inside Blitz, 5D20 for more solitaire approach. Uh, big Play Football, which is more of a quick play game by, you know, play by, uh, drive by drive approach. So I would suggest that maybe you look around for some of those games and, you know, you can, and we can email me at applefootballcluboriginal at gmail.com and I can point you in some directions. But, uh, you know, all these companies and a lot of them are one man shops have their games. They tell you how they work, whether it's 2D6 or 3D10s or whatever. And they're all stats based. And then I would go on YouTube and just plug in the name of the game and demo, and you will find tons of gameplay examples. I do a bunch of mine for Apple Football. A lot of the creators, you know, Grant Fines, 49, uh, his, his uh, 49 sports games. I just interviewed him and his uh, 2022 season is on pre-order now, his version of it. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, information among the community. Digital the Dice podcast, Steve Towers after further review is a great podcast to watch. Jeez, uh, the Replay Gamer, uh, Sportsman Z you name it there's tons of guys out there if you want to know apple football you check out greg barrett who calls himself ogard 62 uh, you check out gilles tebow who's uh, they're both in the apple hall of fame which they've had since 2001 they put in the great contributors to the game in that uh, hall of fame so that's you know there's that's a short list of where i would start to look um i have a video on my channel called replay resources that kind of i, I list uh resources like yours to let people play uh, games, but also I think I've listed, and if I haven't, I'll go back and list just like the top 20 or 30 game companies that are putting out stats-based games right now. Wow. I mean, that that is unbelievable in this day and age of a digital world to have these, you know, hands-on tabletop, you know, uh, having pieces and cards and, and things like that, you know, in this realm and still thriving and having this many different businesses uh, supporting them and, and folks playing them. And uh, then, you know, incorporating with the YouTube videos and websites and, uh, you know, forums, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, still getting in, in conventions like, like you're going to next week where you can, and you just been, you mentioned three other ones you've been to this year uh, where you can get with uh, some of your buddies and maybe some po people you don't know, make new friends and, uh, you know, play these games that that is unbelievable to me. So what what's the the secret sauce? Why why is this such a, still such a popular game when somebody could probably take that same information, put it into something digitally, and you know turn it into a, a not a you know a Madden or anything else where you have a little bit more visual eye candy and but what, what, where's the, where's the satisfaction level? What what gets uh, gets people going on this game still? You know, I think and and a lot of those companies 
have PC corollaries. So Stratomatic has PC football. Uh, Data Driven has a PC. In fact, it started, I think, on PC, 4th Street, et cetera, et cetera, have PC corollaries. There's a pro strategy football by Kerry Batts. It's all digital. It's all on Steam. And it's stats-based, and it's got that kind of arcade look, but stats-based uh, feel to it. But I think, you know, I'm not as big a PC player simply because I really like to look at the cards. I can read. I can kind of see, you know, what's happening, and I can really control more of it. It's very intimate. It's very tactile. And, you know, we talk a lot about the future of cards and dice gaming, certainly. And I just gave a talk about that, and I thank Keith Avalone for giving me that opportunity at Play.Con23. Uh, looking at the explosion of the so-called Euro games, Ticket to Ride, Wingspan, Settlers of Catan, and the relative kind of real small niche of these stats-based uh, sports games, but it's that entity, that control, that collectability. You know, I mean, I've got I've got uh, Clay Matthews, uh, the grandfather from the '55 Niners, and Clay Matthews the third from the 2009. Packers right here. I don't have to fire up a console, you know? Uh, now I remember, I love Madden too. Totally dig it. Uh, I think it's a 2004 version where they had all the classic teams and I posted uh, uh, photos of all the, you know, 99 is like the top player ranking. But when you look at that, I think they didn't have the licensing or something. So the jerseys and the names are completely wrong. Now you can re-edit the team and, you know, Bradshaw's like number 13, you know, and it's Smith or, you know, his quarterback, whatever. But in a console game like that, it still comes down to, well, are you playing at a rookie or novice or all pro? You know, there's there are other factors in the game that, you know, and not to mention your ability, dexterity with your uh, digits there to kind of manipulate the game. And then you've got a CPU as well. But with cards and dice, uh, you can not only modify, if you wish, add weather rules, um, home field advantage rules, momentum rules, but you can really see why you're getting the results you're getting direct, based directly on your decision making. You know, whether it's, you know, Stratomatic has results on the player cards or APBA, APA has numbers on the player cards that refer you to results charts by field position, defensive line setting, and offensive grade. So there's that little bit of mystery you know, and you're creating that visual in your mind, you know, plays second season is very narrative based as are all play games. The stats are there for sure, but they code it in this, they enrobe it in kind of, it's like a Mac versus a PC with a PC. You see all these, you know, these really gory details of files and drives, but you know, with play, it's like, it's all there, but they do it with a very smooth, sharp narrative style. And you're just immersed. And once you start playing these games, whether it's solitaire and you can really control a project and your pace of play. It's like, I remember going back to my, you know, young football fandom. I, you know, you didn't have the marketing. You talked about the marketing was starting in the seventies. The Falcons and saints always fascinated me because I collected the tops cards and I love their uniforms. You'd never see them on TV. You know, we were just weren't in the market, mm -hmm. but with APPA or Stratomatic, I got Haskell stand back and Chuck Muncie right there. And I can see the uniforms, you know, and I can look at and, you know, some you'll see in a lot of the uh, game sites, you know, someone will post the tops picture of the tops card and a picture of the, uh, you know, the uh, stats card there. And that it just, you know, it really uh, invigorates your mind. And I think, you know, we talk about the future of tabletop sports gaming. I think, you know, you might see this skew older. You know, when we were kids, we didn't have video games. We had electric football for sure. But, uh, you know, as folks get older, I think they're going to really appreciate 
again, they're listening to Pigskin Dispatch and gleaning these really incredible perspectives on, you know, the 1932 football season. Now, I have a custom 1932 football season here. <laughs> Someone did in the community just because they, you know, kind of figured, well, they want to see the Bears and the uh, play that first ever indoor football game. And I know you've got a, a podcast or two on that, so I've got to go back to. So it's just that when you're and these AFL guys, these fans of the AFL, forget about it. I mean, they want to see if the Bills, they're convinced the 64 and 65 Bills, you know, could beat the Browns and the Packers. So that's the kind of stuff that, you know, these games, you could grab these two teams right off the deck here. Here's the, uh, oh, in fact, here's the 83 Raiders, and I can celebrate Greg Pruitt's birthday with his card. Let's play our tribute <laughs> game to Greg Pruitt right there. So, you know, and again, you can read on the card here that uh, given the codes, he can be used as a running back or a wide receiver in that era. So you see what, you know, is really going on. You know, it's not kind of hidden behind code and visuals. That's why. Yeah. Well, well, that's, that's very appropriate. You brought that up because, you know, they were recording. This is Greg Pruitt's birthday and uh, we're going to be, you know, this is going to be airing a few days from now next, next week. But uh, we also in between there, we have an interview with uh, our friend, Rich Smelter, who has a, uh, a game book out and it's on the 84 Super Bowl where the Raiders played Washington and uh, Mr. Pruitt's name is brought up there too. So we have, uh, you know, three different podcasts here in a week where we're talking about Greg Pruitt to, you know, unless you're from the seventies and you watch games against the Browns and the Raiders, you probably don't know who Greg Pruitt was, uh, but uh, you know, Great, great player, and I'm glad we could talk about him as much as we did. So, Jeff, why don't uh, you know? Let's uh, before we close up here. Let's you know, you you talk, talked a lot about what your site has has links to some of these other sites that you mentioned, and so maybe that's a good connection point for somebody that wants to get involved. And besides watching the YouTube videos and trying to figure out what gameplay they want to do, you know, whether it's Appa or Stratomatic or whatever avenue they want to go to in the sim world, uh, maybe you're a good jumping off point to get into to maybe at least people you can maybe guide somebody if they need a little bit of mentorship or something so why don't you go ahead let's uh if you don't mind giving out your your call signals for your website we'll post them also on the show notes of this podcast and on pigskindispatch.com with the accompanying article sure i you know i i uh, i kind of the outlier i don't do a blog simply Facebook page which i started back in 2011 then took a break uh if you look at apple football club just search for us on uh, youtube or facebook you will find uh, us pretty easily and i can send you the link so you put it you know um okay i don't have a twitter anymore uh, we are on instagram though we're the only apple football uh we're the apple football club on instagram so you can check us out there and uh, like i say you can always direct message me or email me at apple football club original at gmail.com you'll see that i interview a lot of the designers out there and uh, i'm not the only one of course so um just check us you can search for us on youtube and facebook and instagram and you know i try to vary the content so you know as all good content creators long form short form and all that and uh, I'm, I'm happy to help. Uh, and everyone in the community is happy to help you um, find the game that suits you. And there may be two or three. Well, Jeff, we really appreciate you coming on today, you know, telling about this, this great game and, you know, sharing some events from some other games too, that, uh, you know, we've talked about and that people are playing and it's exciting to hear that, you know, these, these handhelds and these tabletops are, are still being played and enjoyed by uh, generations and big tournaments and, you know, I hope to have, you have a lot of fun with uh, your cohorts down in uh, Canton next weekend and uh, have, have some good gameplay there too. So Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you, sir, again, for the opportunity and keep up the great work. We rely on you for, uh, you know, kind of understanding the history that we 
put in front of us on the tabletop once more. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.